A drama-filled weekend is upon us, so welcome to the weekend watch list brought to you by Footy Live as several clubs uh, await their finals fate. A guaranteed top four spot is on the line tonight between the Lions and the D's at the Gabba. Followed by an exciting Saturday that features the Tigers taking on the Bombers and the final showdown between the Crows and Port Adelaide. But game of the round, if not game of the year, if not game of the modern era, is between the Blues and the Pies. Whilst there could still be plenty on the line for the Saints and the Swans as they meet in Marvel as well. Who's in, who's out, who to tip, who to put it in the last round of Supercoach, or maybe forget about it altogether, who to put a cheeky bet on, if that's your thing as well. With me to break down the headlines from the hot takes is Footy Live's number one analyst and number one Clarko fan. We'll get to that very shortly. Nick Guglielminio, how's your week in footy been? It's been a big one, but also not. We spent a lot of time waiting for news that didn't happen, and then we got the news we didn't expect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been... I mean, yeah, it's still been full on. I'd have to say, given all the all the um, the rumbling going on down at Essendon, um, with the news that, about their president and their coach, and then obviously the Clarkson news um, this morning. So yeah, I mean, it's all been happening, and the hype around those games that you just mentioned, particularly Carlton Collingwood. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably one of the in terms of the hype. It's probably the game of uh, the decade or the modern era, whatever you want to say. But yeah, it's massive, and yeah, I can't wait for it. But before we get to that, we have to discuss the big breaking news that happened this morning. Alistair Clarkson, the god amongst men, the full-time premiership coach of Hawthorne, returns mm. to the club where it all began. What do you yeah. make of the news, and uh, why do you think he chose North Melbourne? Because obviously you you know Clarko really well. Um, I was surprised when the news came out because I was in the camp that he was going to be the coach of the Essendon Football Club. Um, yeah, I guess it just came down to Essendon just um, entering the race for him a little too late, like you mentioned in the press conference today. And yeah, so he, he did mention it was between North Melbourne and GWS and he mentioned that he wanted to... Um, stay in Victoria. Obviously, he's got his uh, two homes. I think he's got one in Brighton and he's got his own farm as well. So, I mean, that would have probably been a big factor. And, yeah, the, the fact that he's um, he started his playing career at North Melbourne too, I think that probably was a big factor. And, I mean, they're in desperate need, North Melbourne, and it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised... Uh, that, that he is at North Melbourne, but um, obviously there's uh, there's still a lot to play out. Um, I mean, they're allowed to be happy. They're allowed to celebrate North Melbourne fans. This is a massive get for their footy club, um, especially after, you know, the couple of years that they've had. So this is um, something big for them to celebrate. We've seen on social media people popping champagne bottles. Um, there's been thank you cards being left on the doorstep at Arden Street. Uh, and people are saying that it's the best thing that's happened to the club in decades. So I just want to send a warning out there to North Melbourne fans. <laughs> Don't get too ahead of yourself. I mean, he hasn't achieved anything yet. Yes, he's chosen your club, which is fantastic, but there is still a lot of work to do. And I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think um, this is my gut feeling. Um, his last few years at Hawthorne uh, weren't great. And him leaving last year... Um, and not staying on for the extra year that was planned. I think that saved him a lot of criticism because, I mean, yes, he he rebuilt Hawthorne from the inside out when he came to the club in 2004, Gordo. He 
um, uh, rebuild the culture. Um, he won them a premiership in 2008. He rejuvenated the, the team again after that, which led them on to the three-peat year. Um, and then after the three-peat, he couldn't rejuvenate the squad again. Uh, then the rebuild happened, and he wasn't the right man for the rebuild. So, um, and the, the, I mean, Hawthorne is still getting criticised for the O'Meara trade. They're still getting criticised for the, the O'Meara trade. Um, the way the, the veterans um, got pushed out of the club, Jordan Lewis, I'm not sure what that, the impact that's had on the culture, but um, from what I've heard, it's not, it wasn't good. And I think Sam Mitchell right now is trying to rectify a lot of that. Um, and there was, there was talks that there was an internal explosion um, in the COVID hubs in 2020. So my gut feeling, I would have liked him just to retire the way he is because I, I hate seeing um, legendary coaches um, and their career on a, on a low, like we've seen with Mick Moldhouse, Kevin Sheedy at GWS, um, John Worsfold at Essendon. It has worked with Paul Ruse, obviously, at the D's and um, Ron Barassi at Sydney. But, um, yeah, I, I just I hope North just North fans don't get too ahead of themselves. There's still a lot to do. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see uh, what Clarko does. Yeah, and he signed him for, I think, a four-year deal is that what he's starting off with, which is fair enough. And I think he'll be given the privilege that many coaches won't be given, which is... If they stink next year, there's no there's no concerns that Clark is going to get the sack. Like they're not sacking Clarko. Yeah. Um, although the same thing said was said about Mick Malthouse and look what Carlton did. But Carlton mm. has form, whereas North, well, they also have form too, but different types of form. Um, and you said that like he's not built for a rebuild, but that's how he built Hawthorne to begin with. It was yeah. a whole bunch of draft picks, a whole crop of, of young talent, and let's let's work with the elite young talent that we've got and. That's probably been the one thing that North hasn't done this year is, well, they definitely haven't um, pumped the tires of their number one draft pick, that's for sure. And they're in line to get a number one or a number two, at least a very high draft pick this year as well. So they're going to have lots of young talent to work with. He has does have form, but it's not recent form, obviously. So, you know, there's plenty of development coaches that could have stepped into that role as well. That would have been potentially better. Mm. But I suppose it just depends on how long-term North is thinking because often... And it hasn't really worked, I suppose. That's what North did. They went to David Noble. They said, yep, we re I think they're in their imagination, that was like, like a four-year plan, get us to a position where we can hunt for funnels, then we'll probably move you on and get someone else that's like more of a tactician. Now they've just gone for a long-term approach, being like, Clark, can you be the face of our club? Here's four years to start with, but you're probably going to be here for a lot longer. So it'd be very, as you said, it'd be very, very interesting and fingers crossed for his legacy's sake because... Yes, mm. as much as we remember the the good old days of as Warfold or as Mick Malthouse, it's yeah. kind of like we also remember the, those ugly days where they, you know, it's it's an awkward transition period. It's a it's a terrible spat with the with the board. It's it's all those things yeah. you don't want to see coaches get get rolled into. So fingers crossed for North, for Clarko, and for everyone involved. But the question about this weekend, because obviously last weekend of the home away season, tipping absolute nightmare. If you're on the brink of winning your comp, are you tipping north on the peak, on the bounce, on the fact that all the players now have to have, like, play an audition, basically? Like, they want to play for Clarko, so I have to play my best possible game. I've only got one game to impress, otherwise he might delist me. Um, or are you banking in Gold Coast to say, we can't lose these guys because literally everyone else has beaten them? 
I'd, I'd probably be leaning towards North Melbourne, to be quite honest. I, I think, yeah, um, obviously, getting Clarkson was the, the big thing for them this week. Um, so that's a tick. But um, avoiding a second uh, wooden spoon in a row is the next thing they should tick off this week. You don't want that next to your name as a club. Um, as good as number one draft picks are, um, wooden spoons uh, stick to the club's name forever. So uh, they should... Um, really come out firing this week and try and get the win. It's down in Hobart. They love playing there. Um, they're going up against Gold Coast, who haven't shown uh, much over the last uh, couple of weeks. They've been quite dreadful, actually. It's like they've fallen off the cliff. They've completely thrown in the towel in the season. Um, and I'm not quite sure how good they travel when they do go down to Hobart. So all the momentum at the moment is with North Melbourne. They've, they've still got something to play for, like I said, to get off the bottom of the ladder. So, I, I yeah, I'll, I'll probably be um, tipping North Melbourne in that one. Yeah, it's kind of hard for Gold Coast here to really get up for this game. Like, you know, if they win the game and Port loses, then they finish 11th, not 12th. Like, there's not there's not a lot of difference that makes them... Their season is what their season is. They've missed out on funnels, but they've, they've progressed a little bit. Um, but they can't rectify that season from, from winning this game. Other than just you want to save embarrassment, but again, it's it's one week. It's Gold Coast. You're not going to make the papers if you lose to North. If North do win, it's all going to be happy headlines anyway. So it's pretty much a free swing for North, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And I'd be to be them too. The amount of times I've seen any good news, the club huge upstroke in terms of yeah North winning in previous years when they've uh, signed a new coach and they've signed a new coach, but he won't be coaching on the day. But um. That might just be enough to, to pique the interest. The flip side of this coin, obviously, is Essendon. So all week, all we heard is Clarko will be coaching Essendon. Ben Rutten is getting sacked. <laughs> Never happened. But yeah. now if I'm Ben Rutten, do I even want to work for Essendon? If I'm an Essendon player, am I like, is this place an absolute junkyard? Like, do they actually know how to, how to run a football club? If I'm their fans, am I turning up for the last game of the year to get absolutely drummed by Richmond? We'll get to the preview in a little bit, but... What do you make of the Essendon Football Club? What's going on down there? And from a fan's perspective, how do you think the Bombers are feeling? Uh, what do I think of Essendon? I think they're a shambles at the moment. They're an absolute basket case. Um, but, you know, when, when the news came out that they, you know, uh, they were making the big decisions to, um, to get rid of um, the president, to get rid of the coach, I, I, actually, I actually thought initially... This is good. Even though they were getting criticised for the Bombers, I thought this is really good. This is what you want from a big club. You can't be um, accepting these sort of seasons. Um, and it, it's obvious they haven't made the right decisions in the past with um, coaches, with the succession plan, with um, you, you know, bringing, bringing certain players into the club. Um, a lot of their recruitment strategies, I think, have been off. So, yeah, um, if, if you haven't been performing, okay, Get rid of the president. Get rid of the coach. This is good. But the fact that they haven't followed through with front and going after they've had hold, uh, sorry, held exit talks and they failed to bring Clarkson into the club, this, is, this has been, I mean, a massive, this is a massive backflip for them. Um, if they had successfully brought Clarkson in, um, I'd be, yeah, I'd still be on that train. It's a good decision um, for them to make these big calls. They're a big club. They shouldn't be accepting uh, mediocrity. Uh, they've been in mediocrity for uh, for, for 20 years um, since they last won a final. And 
Um, yeah, the fact that they've, they've failed to do that and really, like, they head into this weekend, like you said, with a coach that probably doesn't want to be there now because he knows, you know, the club doesn't want him, um, the, the fans don't want him, and by the looks of it, the players don't either. Um, after that footage of Nick Hind surfaced from last weekend um, on the on the interchange bench, not even looking at his coach, not interacting with his coach. It's obvious that um, I still think Rutten will go, um, but the fact that he's yeah coaching this weekend is just extremely awkward for all parties, and I think it could be an absolute massacre. Um, I'm not much of a betting man, but I'd be interested to know what the odds are on Richmond winning by over 100 points. Well, there you go. Not much of a betting man, but wants to know the odds. There's the two-sided coin of uh, Nicky G. In terms of a, a preview, it's an awkward game to even preview because obviously no one has any idea what's going to go on at Essendon. We all presume that Ben Run's going to get sacked. So in terms of playing for your coach, there's not much point. And also, as you said, all the footage this week was they've, they clearly just don't listen. They're not listening to him accidentally or deliberately. The, the care factor isn't there. But on the flip side, it's not like they're playing against a hungry dog team. Like Richmond, are, they're set. If they win, they still can't flip Fremantle and get the home final. And if you're playing funny buggers and you're really risking it, you probably want to stay in Melbourne. Like, And then it's like, do you play the Pies? However, if Collingwood wins, they, they jump frog and they play Brisbane. So... I think the most realistic result is that Richmond wins this fairly convincingly, like you said, by by a hundred points. Indeed, that's a that's a massive margin, um, and they end up playing Fremantle in the first week of the finals, which I suppose they'll take given the season that they've had. Where to now for Essendon, though? Because like, are they do they have to rebuild from the rebuild that's always been ongoing? Because like as you yeah. said, there's it's it's been a long time of mediocrity. So where like what do you where do you go to? Like where where to now for for Essendon? I think I, look when I look at the Bombers list, I think they've got a really good young promising list. There's not much to really change there. Um, what you need is the leadership around it to nurture nurture those players. Um, so yeah, the the players on the field. You need leaders. You need coaches. Um, you need a good board. You need a good president, a good CEO to make good decisions. Um, and that's and a good list manager, and that's that's what Essendon don't have. So, what do Essendon need to do now? Well, they need to fix up this mess. They need to continue what they were continuing doing from midweek, um, clearing out the people that um, aren't good enough to be there, haven't succeeded. Um, I think Adrian Dodoro is probably the next one that should go, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, bringing a coach, there is a lot to work with with that Essendon list. Um, there are so many young players. They they had those three top ten picks from a couple of years ago. They had Ben Hobbs from last season. So there is there is a lot to work with there. Um, they've got they've got some yeah a, a really good young spine that could be there for the next ten years. So that's why I thought Clarkson might be tilted towards that move to the Bombers because. There's more to work with there than at North Melbourne. Um, and it's a big club. You know, they've got the fans already there. They're, they're one of the um, big four teams in, in the AFL. So um, they've got history. They've got everything you want um, if you're a coach heading towards there. But um, I, I'm just shocked that, you know, if, if this is how they felt towards Ben Rutten, then why, why didn't they make this decision earlier? 
um, so they could enter the clocks and race earlier. So um, it's obvious that um, there are a lot of people that aren't on the same page at Essendon and they just need to fix that. They need to bring in a new coach. It's obvious Rutten's not going to be there next season. Not really sure who they go for now, but um, it might take a lot of um, an extensive search to find the next coach and they better hope that it's uh, the right one. We'll be back after a quick break. The extensive search for funnel spots is what we'll talk about next because whilst, you know, the, the penultimate round of the season uh, always brings heaps of drama, there's no better drama than the on-field drama. And uh, obviously the match of the round will be Sunday, Collingwood and Carlton. The bookies have them at 50-50 odds, which I find very surprising because Collingwood, yes, you know, their, their supreme run of tight wins came to a sudden halt last week against Sydney, but... What do you make of this game and who would you be more likely to lean towards for that for that tip that really could decide a tipping competition? This is the one game this week that is a genuine 50-50. Yeah, it, and I mean, it's so hard to predict. I mean, there's so much to play for for both teams, obviously with Collingwood needing to win to make top four. And I think even the, the, the factor of just knocking Blues out of finals, um, that's probably what Collingwood fans care more about than actually making top four. They're, they're probably just happy just to be in finals, the Collingwood fans. So, um, and then, yeah, obviously Collingwood have, uh, Carlton have it all to play for. So um, it, it's so hard to predict which way this is going to go. I feel like um, Carlton's last maybe six quarters of footy, the whole game last week and um, maybe the second half against Brisbane, they... They've played some good footy, so I expect uh, Carlton to come out and, um, yeah, be competitive and hopefully, yeah, put up a good contest. Um, Collingwood, the same, even though they lost last week. Um, I still think, I mean, when you're playing at the MCG in front of what's going to be about 90,000 people, um, they, they're going to show up. Both teams are going to show up. There's so much on the line, so much to play for and could go any way, but... I think I think Carlton will get the job done. I, that's that's my tip. I think they will get it done. Again, I, I can't see them. They've, they've choked uh, for most part of this second half of the season, but I think they'll just go, get over the line and um, book their place in September. And when you mention choke, it's almost not even choking. It's just not capitalising on dominance. And so we saw that against Melbourne last week. They They were in a position where they could have really put the screws in, into into the demons when the demons yeah. had to capitalise in their own situations there where they're being really inefficient in front of goal. Um, if you look at like the, the stat breakdown, like Carlton, they're ranked fifth uncontested possessions, 10th for contested possessions. Collingwood are ranked 18th in both. Like 
Carlton should have the midfield dominance here and they should be able to get, you know, get that ball mm-hmm. forward and, and really make it count on the scoreboard. And again, you look at the, their defence in the last couple of weeks, in the last month is ranked third in the AFL and they're ninth for their own attack as well. So they're, they're above average side, whereas Collingwood have been getting those tight wins. But overall, like, it's, it's been something else that no one can actually kind of quantify that's been getting them those wins. So in terms of like which is the better team now, you would say Carlton despite the fact that Collingwood's higher up on the ladder. My major concern, though, is that the Blues have only led on the scoreboard for 25% of the season against teams in the top eight. So they really have struggled early in games against teams that are equal to them or better. And so that is Collingwood. And so if you're going to give them a head start, it's going to be really, really tough for, for Carlton. And we know that they fade out a little bit in games. Last week being the anomaly against the, against the Ds. But that high contest, contested, high clearance football game is super taxing on their players. But that's the way they've been chosen to play. And it's been costing them letting games all season. So it was very, very tight, very, very uh, close. But I'm going the other side of the coin. I reckon, uh, I reckon Collingwood gets it done. And, um, you know, they're going to have a big, massive laugh. Knocking the other team out and finishing in the top four is a, is a Quinella that every team wants, wants to have. A couple of other interesting games to round out the rest of the week. Two for you. Brisbane and Melbourne, Hawthorne and the Dogs. We'll go Hawthorne and the Dogs first because that's your club. Um, do you think the Hawks care about knocking the Bulldogs out of finals completely or, you know, was it season successful regardless how your list is built, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, I mean, certainly eight wins for the year. I'll take that. I was not expecting that. I think everyone was expecting Hawthorne to be the wooden spooner this year, actually, or at least bottom three. They're not going to finish bottom three. They're going to uh, be, I think, fifth or sixth from bottom, So regardless of the result on the weekend. So it's not going to matter too much for Hawthorne. They've confirmed two debutants to play as well. So um, I don't think they're going to uh, stress too much about winning, although it is Ben McAvoy's last game. Um, so they might want to, uh, yeah, maybe get up for their captain. But this is all for the Bulldogs to win. This is the one they have to win. I mean, if Carlton lose and the Dogs don't capitalise, that will just be a massive failure, especially because it is against Hawthorne. Um I can't see anything other than a Bulldogs win, though. This has, yeah, like I said, it has to be a Bulldogs win. And they blew Hawthorne away earlier in the season at Marvel Stadium. They did lose in Launceston last year, but they should just have too much firepower through that midfield, um, through all areas of the ground, really. Um, and yeah, I mean, we saw last week what Richmond did to Hawthorne when Richmond had a lot to play for, and they just flexed their muscle and. Um, Blew Hawthorne away in a quarter of football, really. So I expect I expect to see the same from the Bulldogs. I think everyone does, um, obviously, with finals up for grabs. So if they win and they put pressure on uh, Carlton, um, yeah, that, that's all they have to do. And uh, I think, yeah, they should get the job done. And there's going to be mobile phones out at the MCG, um, by a lot of from a lot of Carlton fans and maybe even some players at halftime. So... Um. Yeah, uh, it has to be a dog's win for me. Yeah, hard to tip any other way, but I think, yeah, regardless of the result, massive successful season for the Hawks, considering all the question marks that were faced around uh, your fledgling coach at the start of the year, and a lot of it unjustified, I'd, I'd say, nowadays. He looks like he is a, a magnificent cultivator of, of culture, which cannot be said uh, for Luke Beveridge at the Dogs, considering that they go yet again yo-yoing from a grand funnel performance through to scraping it, probably scraping into the eight, uh, if mm-hmm. things 
go their way. Uh, and then, of course, the final game tonight, Melbourne versus Brisbane. Not as exciting as some of the other games because both teams are guaranteed funnels, but a spot in the top eight is on the line. And um, basically, Melbourne all year has been the benchmark team, and now they're, they're, they're definitely failing a lot, of, a lot of tests. Yes, they got the points against the Blues last week. I reckon they failed that test. Like If, that's, if you're only a couple of points better than the Blues this year, you're not going to be winning a grand final. So... Basically, they're like one of the very few teams that kind of needs to prove themselves, get their confidence back before they hit um, the final. Because if they slip this game up, they only get one shot at it, and then all of a sudden you're taking on like a hot Richmond side, uh, a hot Collingwood side if they don't if they don't quite scrape into the top four. There's a couple yeah. of teams there, a, a, a doggies team that goes off the big win against the Hawks and is, is just thankful for be there. There's so many teams that are in that bottom eight, bottom half of the eight, I should say, that um, would be definitely capable of beating Melbourne on their day. So it has to be a must-win, but one of the toughest tasks to do in footy in the last couple of years is to beat the Lions at the Gabba. So uh, yeah. what's your read on this one for tonight's uh, top four clash? Yeah, I mean, um, like, like you said, the, the drop-off that Melbourne have had in the second half of the season just blows me away. To think that they can finish the season sixth on the ladder um, is just staggering because what what were they? Maybe I think they were eight or nine and zero oh, um, at some point during the season. Um, yeah, it's it, it's crazy to think that they can finish sixth um, with an eighth loss uh, tonight if that does happen, um, and that would be eight losses in I think eleven or twelve games. And yeah, so one of those wins was obviously against Brisbane. They turned it around. Uh, they, um, yeah, against the Lions at the MCG after a run of three or four defeats in a row. Um, and yeah, that looking back to that game, they absolutely blew Brisbane away in contested possessions. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was the Lions' worst differential since 2017. So it was um, a historically bad loss for the Lions. Um, and they'll be looking to rectify that uh, tonight. Uh, I think they'll obviously take a look at that performance from early in the season and um, hope to not replicate that. They've brought in the likes of Reese Matheson, who's helped um, steady their midfield a bit because I think they've shown, you know, if Lockie Neal gets tagged, it's a very easy midfield to get on top of. And once you get on top of their midfield, then the lines are easy to get on top of. So that that's going to be, um, yeah, the area to watch tonight, the midfield. Obviously, Melbourne's midfield is flawless. Um, not so much in the second half of the season, but they've got the personnel in there to, you know, take control of the game and dominate. So um, if the Lions can get on top in that area, uh, they'll win. And I, I think that's going to be a real focus for them tonight. And, yeah, the fact that it is at the Gabba, I'm expecting that to happen. I'm expecting the Brisbane Lions to win and Melbourne to fall out of the top four. Which would be, as you said, just a massive landslide from where they were halfway through the season. And also give Brisbane massive confidence because they've lost seven of their last nine games against Melbourne by an average of 35 points. Obviously, Brisbane was a very different club, you know, five, six mm. years ago. But they, even in more recent times, they've really failed the test against some of these sides that they've made in finals quite regularly. So... This is one that Brisbane definitely needs for that double chance, definitely needs for a chance of getting some home funnels towards the end of the funnels campaign and um, definitely needs for confidence that they can actually beat some of these sides that have eluded them uh, in the last couple of seasons. Speaking of being eluded, 
it's uh, obviously the last round of Fantasy Supercoach. Uh, whichever league you play. We won't ask you for a premium tip or a change or a person that you should pick up, but more, what was your number one learning from Supercoach this year? Oh, number one learning. I mean, I do tend to learn a lot from my uh, years in Supercoach. This year was a different year, though, Gordo, I think. Um, obviously, having the extra amount of trades and stuff, if I had my if I had my year again, I would have used up more trades earlier in the season instead of saving them, which were, which is what we've been accustomed to um, over the whole journey of Supercoach in its existence. So, um, if we do get the same amount of trades next year, thirty five, um, then I will absolutely be using more of them early and trying to get a full premium team um, as early as possible because I think that a lot of the Super coach teams that are doing well uh, probably went down that path. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if you're lucky enough to have any trades left over this week, I will throw out, get Max Scorn back in your side because he's on fire. And maybe take out Tim English. He, that's another learning. I will not be getting Tim English next season. He has absolutely let me down, um, as has a number of players this year, actually. I've had an absolute shocking year. But, yeah, Max Scorn is in ripping form. There you go. You heard it from the horse's mouth. The other thing we like to do on this show is to give you our premium picks. Uh, put your house on a picks if you are that way inclined while watching some footy on the weekend. And uh, I'll lead it off by answering Nikki G's question, uh, what are the odds for a Richmond 100-point win? $46. So uh, I've got a spare $10 in my pocket. I'll be popping it <laughs> on that. And uh, my same game multi is for the big game. So... I've got two bets for the big game, actually. I reckon mm. the margin here will be tight. All Collingwood games this year have been tight, and this one should be no different. Uh, either side to win by less than three goals is paying $2.50. I, I love that indeed. And then a same game multi, all about the narrative for Collingwood. So I reckon Collingwood gets the win. They knock out their arch enemies. They sneak into the top four. That's your narrative angle. Who has been the most lauded player for the Pies this year? Nick Dacos. He'll get 25 or more disposals. And, of course, when we talk of narratives, Mr. Headlines himself, Jack Ginevan, to kick two or more goals. And if you could put a market on it, him to kick the sealer uh, from a free kick after the siren would be just mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> the internet would melt. Twitter would, ha- Twitter would burn alive and we'd have plenty to talk about on Monday. Do you have any play action for us, Nikki G, before we head off into the weekend? I do. I've got one for tonight to put into your multi. Uh, Lockie Neal, he has recorded 32 disposals in five of Brisbane's last six home matches. And um, I don't think Melbourne are a team that uh, do go out and tag uh, opposition players. They, they just like playing their own um, style and running their own midfield show. So I think Lockie Neal is safe from the tag tonight and you should feel safe uh, putting Lockie Neal in your multi to get 30 or more disposals um, and my tip like I mentioned earlier I'm going to go North Melbourne to win over Gold Coast $3.30 they are to win um, and the Suns are $1.30 so yeah there's a little bit of cash in that game and I'm just feeling like you said Clarkson new coach um, a lot of good energy around North Melbourne at the moment even though he won't be coaching on the weekend I think the players will be up and about and they will want to win to get uh, to avoid that wooden spoon. There you go. Some interesting play angle 
thoughts and actions there to keep you entertained in what will be a stellar weekend of football to round out the regular home and away season. But fear not, listeners, although next week is technically a bye week and one that's very dead for footy fans. They, nearly, they really need to fill it up with something. But we'll be filling it up with uh, some uh, review content from the weekend that was before we get into the season that was, the wash-up for 2022 uh, Club by Club series, which will roll out during the finals and in the aftermath of the AFL Grand Final before the draft and the trade period rolls around. But before all that happens, just enjoy the weekend. If things get tense and exciting, don't forget you can follow all the action on the Free Live app. That will be particularly important for Sunday, depending on the margin of that Bulldogs game halfway through the Pies and the Blues. Speak to you Tuesday.